This show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. It's time to stand up against big tech. Protect your data at expressvpn.com slash Ben. There are two major problems with the notion of diversity, equity, and inclusion, or DEI. The first is the inherent discrimination in the concept, the belief that all aspects of success are due to exploitation and discrimination. This means that when applied to groups, statistically underperforming groups are to be considered victimized, whether or not they are victims, and to be treated with special privileges. Those who are members of statistically overachieving groups, whether or not they are victimized, are to be treated as villains. The only possible exception to this hierarchy is white men who are always to be treated as villains, whether their group is underperforming or overperforming in any given situation. This philosophy is how you get a holiday party for electeds of color thrown by Asian Boston mayor Michelle Wu. Apparently, this electeds of color party has been a thing for a decade in Boston. Here was Wu defending it. Members of the Boston City Council received an email invitation to what's called a gathering of electeds of color. Not all members of the council fit that description. I think we've we've had individual conversations with everyone so people understand that it was truly just a, an honest mistake that went out in, in typing the email field. And um, I look forward to celebrating with everyone at the holiday parties that we will have besides this one as well. So um, it is my intention that we can, again, um, be a city that lives our values and create space for all kinds of communities to come together. Living your values requires segregated parties. This is obviously discriminatory and wrong. If there are white electeds-only party, of course, that would be violative of federal discrimination law. But DEI insists that you cannot be wrong so long as you're a member of the victimhood hierarchy. So that's the first problem with DEI. It's racist. Then there is the second problem, not disconnected with the first, mediocrity. If success is to be treated as sinful and failure as virtuous because victimhood is virtue, then mediocrity is the happy middle where you can avoid being completely terrible at things, but also escape censure for being actually good at them. So it is in academia, where racially diverse mediocrity is preferable to non-race-based meritocratic achievement. See, for example, Harvard, where President Claudine Gay, despite apparently being both a serial plagiarist and a soft-on anti-Semitism leader, is still in her job. Or see Chicago, where Mayor Brandon Johnson, the even worse successor to Lori Lightfoot, announced his plans this week to kill Chicago's high-achieving selective enrollment schools, since they weren't racially diverse enough. Chicago Public Schools CEO Pedro Martinez has put forth a resolution seeking, quote, a transition away from privatization and admissions enrollment policies and approaches that further stratification and inequity in CPS and drive student enrollment away from neighborhood schools. Better that high-achieving students be trapped in the crappy local school than they be able to go to a better school. Mediocrity for everyone. And so it is at the White House, too, where equity prevails above all. Now, when the Biden White House promised that equity would be at the heart of all they do, they meant it, which presumably is why Dr. Jill Biden, the greatest of all mediocrities, a doc, but she is a doctor, guys, the most doctorish doctor who ever doctored. She invited the Dorrance Dance Company to perform a version of the Nutcracker Ballet at the White House. Now, there's nothing wrong with the concept here. The Nutcracker, written by Tchaikovsky, is a famous Christmas time piece of culture. And tap dance is a historically black American art form with a long and storied Hollywood history. Many, if not most, of the greatest tap artists in history have been black Americans, from the Nicholas Brothers to Bill Bojangles Robinson to Gregory Hines. In fact, here's some tape of what truly amazing tap looks like. This is the Nicholas Brothers from Stormy Weather in 1943. <laughs>
good stuff right here, right? Okay, now, of course, like most of the amazing stuff in America, tap has been adopted by people of all cultures. That's how you end up with Gene Kelly and Fred Astaire, two of the great American artists of all time. So there was plenty of history and quality for the Biden White House to choose from in picking their Christmas tap routine. Well, what the White House presented wasn't good tap. It wasn't terrible. It was just kind of weird and meh. Here's the tape. For those who can't see, it's kind of weirdly attired um, lady dancing down the halls of the Hunger Games White House here. And then a weird guy with um, uh, a lot of weird people dressed in weird costumes. And uh, everybody's kind of just walking down the halls and nothing's happening. And uh, creepy faces. At no point is any serious dancing. You can't see their feet. Like, what? Are, I don't know why this is supposed to be good. But it is diverse, so there's that. I mean, it's obviously not good. Like, these people, I'm sure, are great dancers. So why can't we actually see them dance? Like, that'd be good. Okay, so... Why was Doran's dance picked to do this much-mocked routine? I'm not the only one who thought it was met. Presumably, it had something to do with the politics of the group. Michelle Dorans, founder of the group, has dedicated the group to, quote-unquote, anti-racism. Here is what she wrote on her website. Quote, It is our job to tell the history of tap dance as a celebration of black culture, and also the never-ending struggle against systematic racism and white supremacy in this country, the origin story of appropriation in American culture. In 2020, says Michelle Dorans, I'm part of the way this story plays out. I'm a white tap dancer with black cultural ancestors in a society that privileges white people and whiteness. I am easy for white audiences wanting to access and experience elements of black culture to swallow. As though Americans are supremely opposed to black tap dancers, which, um, no. Dorenz says the tap dance is, quote, both a tradition born of subversion, revolution, and protest, and a powerful vehicle for social and political change, and adds that as a beneficiary of white privilege, I invite you to join me in lifelong anti-racism work. Understanding how deeply embedded white supremacy, racism, and colonialism is in our culture is paramount to understanding our role as white people in perpetuating it and embracing our job to dismantle it. Or, you know, you could just dance and do like a good dance routine because here's the reality of a free country. Quality improves everyone and everything. All the black tap artists I mentioned before did more for racial comedy and black Americans than Michelle Dorrance ever will because they demonstrated to anyone who would even idiotically think that race ought to define somebody. That incredible artistry spans race, transcends it. But here's the thing. When DEI is your goal, mediocrity all too often is the result. In just one second, we'll get to a fascinating cultural story about the beheading of a satanic statue. We'll get to that. It's the Christmas season. First, I've been talking about my Helix sleep mattress for years. You know all about this. I've had my Helix for years and years and years at this point. It's great. It was made just for me. I took that Helix sleep quiz and I got the mattress that was perfect for my body type and sleep preferences. And you can do the same. I got the firm but breathable mattress, which is what I need. What kind of mattress will be great for you? You can find out. Helix Elite is their newest, most high-end collection. It harnesses years of extensive mattress expertise to offer a truly elevated sleep experience. The Helix Elite Collection includes six different mattress models, each tailored for specific sleep positions and firmness preferences. Go to helixsleep.com ben and check out the new collection today. If you're nervous about buying a mattress online, you don't have to be. Helix has a sleep quiz that matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress, because why would you buy a mattress made for someone else? I took that Helix quiz. I was matched with a firm but breathable mattress, as I say. Go to helixsleep.com ben. Take that two-minute sleep quiz yourself. Your mattress will come directly to your door, shipped for free. Plus, 
Helix has a 10-year warranty. You can try it out for 100 nights, risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it. But of course you will. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for my listeners. It's a great deal. Go to helixsleep.com slash Ben. It's their best offer yet. It's not going to last long with Helix. Better sleep starts right now. Okay. Meanwhile, over in Iowa, fascinating story. Apparently, there was a satanic temple display inside the Iowa State Capitol. And it was destroyed by a person named Michael Cassidy, 35. He was then charged, he turned himself in, with fourth-degree criminal mischief. In a text message to Fox News Digital, Cassidy confirmed he tore down the satanic display, which was erected last week by the Satanic Temple of Iowa to represent the group's right to religious freedom. Cassidy said it was extremely anti-Christian. Cassidy had previously run an unsuccessful campaign for Congress in 2022. He didn't elaborate on why he tore the statue down, but he posted a Bible verse on Thursday night to X after being charged. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. In a Facebook post, the Satanic Temple of Iowa wrote that the display was, quote unquote, beyond repair. The group wrote, we ask that for safety. Visitors travel together and use the seven tenets as a reminder for empathy and the knowledge that justice is being pursued the correct way through legal means. Happy holidays. Hail Satan. The Iowa Republican governor, Kim Reynolds, condemned the display's presence, but she said it should be countered with more speech. She said, like many Iowans, I find the Satanic Temple's display in the Capitol absolutely objectionable. In a free society, the best response to objectionable speech is more speech. I encourage all those of faith to join me today in praying over the Capitol and recognizing the nativity scene that will be on display the true reason for the season. The co-founder of the Satanic Temple, a person named Lucian Graves, had previously told local media that the display would be up for two weeks. Quote, we're going to really relish the opportunity to be represented in a public forum. We don't have a church on every street corner. My feeling is if people don't like our display in public fora, they don't have to engage with them. They don't have to view them. Okay, so let's talk about this. First of all, for the guy who uh, who knocked the head off the statue, this actually is the way you do public protest, by the way, is if you are actually going to do this, you then accept the consequences for that thing, right? He knocked the head off the statue and then he turned himself into the police. Unlike all these morons you see who are blocking the freeway, who are then very, very upset that they're getting arrested. Like when it comes to civil disobedience, which is what this is, when you participate in civil disobedience, you then turn yourself in. That, that is the way that it works. Okay, so there's that. Then there's the question of whether he did anything, quote unquote, morally wrong in knocking down the statue. Now, this is only mildly questionable. The answer is the answer is no. He didn't do anything morally wrong in knocking down the statue of a satanic group. I'm sorry he didn't. On a moral level, you have no moral right to promote a non-religion that is specifically directed at hatred of Christians. That's exactly what this is. Now, you may have a legal right to do that, but that's not the same thing as a moral right to do it. These are two different types of right. We have all sorts of legal rights to do things that are immoral in American society. So we have to separate those two things off because very often when we're talking about rights, we tend to conflate them. We tend to think something is legal, therefore it's moral. Or it's moral, therefore it's legal. No, that's not the same thing. It is legal to use the N-word, for example. It is immoral to do so. You should not. Similarly, it is not immoral to knock down a satanic statue. It may be illegal to do so because the law is supposed to protect private property. Okay, but that raises the question as to why the law does that. So you see Kim Reynolds there say that this is protected speech, that putting up a satanic display at the state capitol, sponsored by the state, presumably, is some form of freedom of speech. And that that really does require us to ask a specific question, a question that we have not asked in a long time in this country, which is, what is a legitimate religion? Not all religions are actually religions. Satanism is a perfect example of a non-religion. It is an ideology masquerading as a religion. And if you view the satanic website, they openly say things like, we don't worship actually, we don't even believe there is a thing called Satan. It's not like we're actually worshiping 
a godlike being known as we don't even believe in God. So what it really is, is just a political agenda pretending that it's a religious agenda. So to pretend that this is religious speech is obviously not true. In fact, if you go back to the founding, there's no way that the founding fathers under the rubric of freedom of religion would have included anyone who calls themselves a religion. In fact, the IRS does this all the time. There are certain cult-like groups that try to declare themselves a religion. The IRS will be like, no, you're not a religion. Don't believe you. Which means you don't have freedom of religion rights in the same way that, say, a nativity scene at a Capitol building would or Hanukkah menorah at a Capitol building would. So again, legally speaking, this kind of bizarre libertarian notion that has been picked up on by a lot of Republicans, that it's just an aspect of freedom of religion to put up a satanic display at a state capitol, there's really not a lot of legal backing to support that idea. There's a good piece by a lawyer named Frank DeVito over at the American Conservative a few months back in which you talk specifically about this. He is currently an attorney serving as counsel at the Napa Legal Institute. And he writes about this. He says, there was an uproar last week when a school district in my neck of the woods approved an after-school Satan club. After proper chaos ensued, the school district did the right thing and reconsidered, deciding they should not approve a club for children sponsored by the Satanic Temple after all. American conservatives have been so shaped by libertarian arguments for absolute personal freedom, the point has come where they wonder whether Satanism is part of the tradition protected by the U.S. Constitution. Something must be done to take back this obvious ground. And he points out that there's very little case law on the specific issue of whether Satanism is a protected religion. What we do have is a little bit jumbled. But the point is that since the Constitution does not define religion, the court then turns to case law for guidance. But the early Supreme Court defined religion in traditionally theistic terms. In other words, you know, believing in God, not an atheistic, anti-Christian, non-religion pretending to be a religion for purposes of putting up a satanic display next to a nativity scene, which is the purpose of what the satanic temple is doing here. That's exactly the purpose of what the satanic temple is doing here. The founders never would have considered this an aspect of freedom of religion, not remotely. In fact, it was only in 2019 that the IRS even declared that the Satanic Temple was a tax-exempt church. That was under Donald Trump, by the way, a point that Ron DeSantis was making. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, from maintaining control of your assets to easing the burden on your loved ones, an estate plan can ensure your family stays prepared and protected. If you're looking for a way to set up your estate to offer financial benefits and more, you need to check out Trust and Will. Traditional estate planning, it can cost thousands of bucks. Many one-size-fits-all solutions might not capture all the important details of the life you've built. With Trust and Will, you can protect your legacy from the comfort of your home, starting at just $159. They've simplified the process of creating and managing your will or trust online from finding out what's right for your family to finalizing documents with a notary. My wife and I, we've rewritten our wills several times, primarily to make sure that our kids are taken care of should God forbid something happen to us. You need to do the same thing, and you can do it easily and quickly with Trust and Will. Secure your assets, protect your loved ones with Trust and Will, get 10% off, plus free shipping of your estate plan documents by visiting trustandwill.com slash Shapiro. That's 10% off free shipping at trustandwill.com slash Shapiro. Go check them out right now. It's a super important thing to do. Make sure that you have your trust and your will all set up. Go check them out right now. 10% off free shipping at trustandwill.com slash Shapiro to get started. Well, again, as Frank DeVito points out here, it's not merely that the founders would never have considered a religion of Satanism to be protected by the First Amendment freedom of religion. It's not just that. It turns out that as pointed out in an article at Harvard Law Review a few years back, The black letter rule in American law was clear. Constitutional liberty entailed a right to articulate views on religion, but not even a right to commit blasphemy. The offense of maliciously reviling God, which encompassed profane ridicule of Christ. Those were laws like this were compatible with the free exercise of religion. They were completely upheld. As this lawyer points out throughout the nation's history, even into the 20th century, the federal courts have consistently upheld state anti-blasphemy laws as constitutional. There is no binding precedent. 
stating that anti-blasphemy laws even violate the First Amendment. And this is where what you claim is religion actually matters. Because then, if you look at the Church of Satan website or the Wikipedia page, it's not just that they revile and ridicule Christ. They don't even believe, it's, it's not a religion. It's not, there's nothing there that says religion. It is an anti-Christ political program that is masquerading as a religion. Again, we've talked about it on the show before. When you look at the Satanic Temple website, they don't actually believe in Satan. I mean, because that would be to, to believe in God. In order to believe in, in Satan, presumably you have to believe in a supernatural. They don't actually believe in any of that. They say, with unfortunate regularity, the Satanic Temple is confused with an earlier organization, the Church of Satan. The Church of Satan expresses vehement opposition to the campaigns and activities of the Satanic Temple. But what they actually say is that they, they don't actually believe, again, in Satan itself. So here's what the Satanic Temple itself says in its pamphlet. Quote, the Satanic Temple practices non-theistic Satanism. We believe that religion can and should be divorced from superstition. As such, we do not believe in either God or the devil as supernatural forces. We bow to no gods or gods or and celebrate our outsider status. To embrace the name Satan is to embrace rational inquiry, removed from supernaturalism and archaic tradition-based superstitions. The Satanists should actively work to hone critical thinking and exercise reasonable inquiry in all things. Our beliefs must be malleable to the best current scientific understandings of the material world, never the reverse. So what exactly is Satan to the Satanic Temple? Quote, Satan is symbolic of the eternal rebel in opposition to arbitrary authority, forever defending personal sovereignty, even in the face of insurmountable odds. Satan is an icon for the unbowed will of the relentless inquirer, the heretic who questions sacred laws and rejects all tyrannical impositions. This metaphorical construct provides us with the framework by which we live. He's a symbol of defiance. Satanism does not suggest a supernatural solution to the trials of existence. Rather, it serves as an affirmation of that which is demonstrably true. Ours is the historical Satan of Western literary traditions expressed in texts like John Milton's Paradise Lost. First of all, it's a complete misread of Paradise Lost. That's a super giant misread of Paradise Lost. John Milton does not like Satan. You have to be a moron to believe this, but it doesn't matter. The bottom line is, this is obviously not a church. It's not a religion. It's just a bunch of secularists who are like, oh, what if we just like slap a symbol on top of this thing and then we put it up next to the nativity scene so that we can laugh at Jesus. That's what this is all about. And again, it wasn't until 2019 when the Satanic Temple was actually designated a church by the IRS. The group is now listed in an IRS database for tax-exempt organizations. So what exactly was this Satanic statue beheading doing? Well, I mean, obviously, this wasn't like a historic piece of art. This wasn't like the Taliban blowing up some giant Buddhist statue from a millennium ago. It was like a, a statue they put together and then they put it in like the Iowa State Capitol in order to mock people. So the guy knocked it down and now presumably he's going to be put on trial and I assume that he will appeal on the basis of this. I assume he's going to appeal on the basis of this isn't actually a religion. So you can say that I owe them damages for property damage or something and I'm willing to pay it and I can raise the money to pay for it. But to pretend that this is actually a religious freedom display is to demean what it means to be religious, which is precisely the purpose of this thing. It's to demean what it means. Like they say, we want it up next to the nativity scene. Why? Why do they want it up next to the nativity scene? So for example, Jews, we, we do the Hanukkah, right? We have the menorah, the Hanukkah menorah. We've been displaying that since before Christianity was even around on planet Earth. And we would be displaying that whether or not Christians were displaying a nativity scene. It's not like we're like, oh my gosh, we need a Hanukkah right up next to that. I have never cared whether my Hanukkah is even in the remote proximity of a nativity scene. But the entire point of the satanic temple is to put their thing right next to the nativity scene in order to mock Christianity. That's what it's all about in the first place. So hopefully this thing gets adjudicated. I would love to see the Supreme Court actually take on a pretty thorny and interesting question as to whether it counts as a religion if you just create an anti-Christian thing and then call it a religion.
What exactly is Satanism? Again, the entire thing is oriented against Christianity. That's what it's oriented against. And they make this very clear. So Cosmopolitan, just like a month ago, put forth a, an Instagram post that is totally disgusting. I mean, vile. How does a satanic abortion ceremony even work, they ask? And it's a picture of a woman staring into a shard of glass that is a mirror. And here's what Cosmopolitan says. What's it like to have a satanic abortion? For Jessica, a 37-year-old mother of three who received abortion medication via Samuel Alito's mom's satanic clinic. Again, the whole purpose of Satanism is to simply insult religious people and apparently Supreme Court justices. The experience was just very supportive. While she's not a Satanist, Jessica decided to incorporate a few ceremonial, uh, ceremonial elements into her solo abortion experience. Why not, she thought. The overall messaging just clicked with her. Read more about it at the link in the bio. So here's what it says, quote, Patients of all faiths are welcome at Samuel Alito's mom's satanic abortion clinic in New Mexico. Along with medical counsel, TST offers free ceremonial support to everyone. Abortion ceremonies are totally optional and customizable. Here's a simple one TST recommends. TST is the satanic temple, which is the same group that put up this uh, satanic statue at the Iowa state capitol. So this entire post, every single one of these posts from Instagram has an inverted cross at the top. It's a cross that's upside down. And the entire purpose here is to mock Christianity. The entire purpose. That's not a religion. That's just mockery of Christianity. Now, you can say it's free speech. That is not freedom of religion. That is not the same thing. Those are two different things. Freedom of practice of religion would require that the state capital include different religions in the state capital according to current Supreme Court law. But this is not a religion. It is just mockery. So inverted cross. It says, first, find a quiet space. Bring a mirror if you can. Just before taking the medication, gaze at your reflection and focus on your personhood. Home in on your intent, your responsibility to you. First of all, you should hone in on things. But second of all, your responsibility, you, you are God. You are goddess in this scenario, according to the satanic church. Right? Gaze, focus, focus on your, not the personhood of the baby growing inside you who you're killing. Focus on your own personhood because you're the only person who matters. Next slide, inverted cross. Take a few deep, relaxing breaths. When you're ready, read the following tenet aloud. One's body is inviolable, subject to one's own will alone. Take the medication and immediately afterward recite, quote, beliefs should conform to one's best scientific understanding of the world. One should take care never to distort scientific facts to fit one's beliefs. Next slide, upside down cross again. Later, once the procedure is complete, uh, the euphemism procedure is complete, return to your reflection. Oh my God, the, the, the self-obsession here is totally wild. But I guess this is what the religion of Satanism is all about worship of self. So that makes sense. Focus again on your personhood, your power in making this decision. Complete the ritual by reciting a personal affirmation. And of course, this is a mockery of Catholic catechism. By my body, my blood, by my will, it is done. Um, that is pretty, I mean, could it, could it possibly be more mocking of Christianity? I mean, that, that's obviously what it is. They're just mocking the Eucharist, right? Even I, but a humble, ignorant Jew, understand that it's mockery of the Eucharist. But that, that, that's precisely what it is. This is not a religion. It's just mockery. Quote, mirrors or mantras or not. TST's point is that your abortion should focus on your autonomy in making this decision. Patients can include as many loved ones as they'd like or light candles or even dress up. Whatever makes them feel empowered. This is in Cosmopolitan Magazine. Yeah, now, is this a church? Is this even remotely resembling a church? Of course not. It has nothing to do with church. Zero. Zip. Zilch. Nada. All it is is a bunch of secular left-wing anti-Christian propaganda crammed into a fake, phony religion. And then you pretend it's a religion so you can stick your garbage statue up next to a nativity scene. It's obvious that Christianity is a religion and Satanism is not. And the founding fathers would have felt the same way. 
And the fact that so many people have gone so libertarian that they've given up their brain space for this stuff is ridiculous. Not all things that claim to be religions are, in fact, religions. Not all behaviors are forms of speech. There's a strong case to be made that burning a flag is not a form of speech. If you want to say things, you can say them. That's called speech. Burning things is conduct. But again, failures to make any of these distinctions, all of that has, has led to this kind of mushy libertarianism in which we're all supposed to pretend that immorality is somehow morality. It's led to the conflation also between a legal right, as I said at the very beginning, and a moral right. Those are not the same thing, not the same thing whatsoever. Okay, in just one second, we'll get to the latest on Israel, where it turns out that terrorists, they really like killing people who are not actually just in Israel. First, the holidays are hard enough. Make things easier than ever with Stamps.com. Stamps.com has been helping businesses like yours save time and money during the holiday rush for 25 years with easy access to USPS and UPS services and premium rates for all your postage needs. Stamps.com lets you print your own postage and shipping labels directly from your home or office space. It's incredibly convenient. Your shipping labels are ready to go in minutes, so you can get back to running your business sooner. We don't waste our time here at The Daily Wire. We don't have the time or the money to do that sort of stuff. So we've used Stamps.com instead since 2017. Our office management staff loves Stamps.com because they don't have to spend hours at the post office anymore. Stamps.com offers rates you can't find anywhere else, like up to 84% off USPS and UPS. Plus, they'll automatically tell you your cheapest and fastest shipping options. For 25 years, Stamps.com has been indispensable to over a million businesses. You can print postage wherever you do business. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Set your business up for success. Get started with Stamps.com today. Sign up with promo code Shapiro for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and free digital scale. No long-term commitments, no contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click that microphone at the top of the homepage and enter promo code code Shapiro. Okay. So meanwhile, Germany has apparently uncovered an alleged Hamas terror plot in Europe. So remember that time that Hamas said that they want to kill people like all over the world? Yeah, it turns out that that's true. It turns out that international terror organizations, they're really bad and they like killing people all over the world. And they like to do so, number one, because their ideology demands that they spread the caliphate. I mean, Hamas has been very clear about this. They don't just wish to kill Jews, for example, inside Israel. They wish to kill Jews outside of Israel as well. Their end goal would be a, an Islamic caliphate. No different than than what ISIS would want. Hamas does not just have territorial claims. Their latest attempt to rewrite their charter for public-facing distribution is obviously a backfill. They did this in about 2017. And now, by the way, they're attempting, hilariously enough, to push themselves into the Palestine Liberation Organization so as to, quote-unquote, moderate themselves by pretending that they are willing to accept the existence of the state of Israel, which, of course, they are not. That is the reason why they've slaughtered people in the Gaza envelope, which has been part of the state of Israel since inception. In any case, they yesterday were uncovered. Hamas terror apparatus was discovered in Europe. German authorities on Thursday detained four alleged members of Hamas suspected of planning to attack Jewish institutions in the region. The first suggestion, the Gaza conflict might be spilling over beyond the Middle East. What Was that the first indication? Really? Because I noticed the Gaza conflict spilling over beyond the Middle East when hundreds of thousands of supporters of Hamas were marching in the streets of London. That's, that's when I noticed it first, actually, to be fair. Germany's federal prosecutor said one of the men, acting under orders from Hamas leaders in Lebanon, had in the spring begun searching for a cache of weapons the organization had clandestinely assembled in the past. The weapons were to be brought to Berlin until they could be used in a possible attack against Jewish institutions in Europe. Security officials say the group has long been active in Europe, but so far they say it's been, you know, mostly a logistical base and source of financing rather than a possible terror target. In October, a man identified as a Lebanese-born Abdel Hamid Al A and two accomplices, an Egyptian national and a Dutch national, began traveling from Berlin across the region to gather weapons. 
assisted by a third man identified as a Lebanese-born terrorist, according to the German prosecutor. The four were long-standing Hamas members who had already participated in foreign operations for the group. So I have a question. Why weren't they in jail already? They just get to wander around Europe raising money for terror attacks as, so long as they're at Israel and Jews in Israel? Pretty amazing stuff. Meanwhile, apparently at least seven terror suspects have actually been arrested in Europe. So you've got the four that were arrested by Germany, but Danish agencies also exposed Hamas infrastructure on European soil. At least three people were arrested in Denmark and one in the Netherlands on suspicion of plotting to carry out an act of terror. And that, of course, would not be a surprise. The goal of these terror groups is to push the West to abandon its interests in the Middle East with terror attacks. It's been true since the Iraq War. It's been true before that. It's been true really since the 1960s and 1970s. And the terrorists in the region use whatever levers of power they have in order to try to intimidate the West into going hands-off in this particular region of the world, despite the fact that the West has tremendously heavy economic interests in this particular region of the world, and also some moral interests in you know defending the only diverse democracy in the entire region. Meanwhile, even as Hamas is, is pushing terror attacks abroad, the White House continues to send bizarre signals to the Israelis. Let's be clear about this. The Israelis are not going to stop until Hamas is completely defenestrated in the Gaza Strip. It will end with Israel having to station 30, 40,000 troops in the Gaza Strip in perpetuity in order to police it. That is what's going to happen. And the reason that's going to happen is because Hamas is not just a terror group. They have networks of terror sympathizers throughout the Gaza Strip. Hamas currently enjoys a 57, 57, 52% approval, approval rating in Gaza, which has been completely wrecked because of Hamas. And in fact, the approval rating for Hamas in the West Bank, which is the place that's supposed to be governed by the Palestinian Authority, right? The vaunted PA that the Biden White House wants to see in charge of the Gaza Strip. No one likes the PA in the West Bank. In fact, Palestinians in the West Bank are highly supportive of Hamas to the tune of 80 plus percent by every available poll. So this notion that Israel is somehow going to acquiesce to a quote-unquote two-state solution with the very people who perpetrated October 7th and their sympathizers, that's insane. And what's even more insane is the idea that Israel is going to hurry up in order to slow down. So Israel is currently hurrying up operations in an attempt to comply with White House diktats, which means more Israeli soldiers are getting killed. The number of Israeli soldiers who are getting killed day on day is rising specifically because the White House is telling the Israelis to hurry up. That's why Israel's having to rush its operations as opposed to going slower. And meanwhile, the stuff they could be doing to minimize their own deaths, they have not been doing because, again, they don't want the bad headlines coming out of the Gaza Strip. So instead, they are sending their own men and women into harm's way, going house by house and tunnel by tunnel, as opposed to using their complete air superiority in areas that already should have been clear of civilians two months ago. Nonetheless, Jake Sullivan apparently told Israel that their war needs to, quote, transition to the next lower intensity phase in a matter of weeks, not months. Well, I'm sure if he has a plan, Israel's willing to hear it. If he's got a magic laser up in the sky, maybe he could lend it to the Jews. Like th This kind of stupidity about war, where you got Jake Sullivan dictating military timetables in the middle of an operation is totally crazy. It's so stupid. And by the way, it's dumb when American politicians do it to our own military. We used to do it in Iraq and Afghanistan regularly. We'd have Barack Obama sitting at the top of the American government doing things like, sure, we'll surge in Afghanistan, but then we have an arbitrary deadline by which we have to pull back the surge and we'll announce it at the time. Meanwhile, the military officials are like, what the? F How's this going to work? It is truly incredible how many civilian officials seem to think that they can dictate magical timelines to a military that is on the ground fighting. That's particularly true when you're talking about a military that is not under American control. <laughs> Israel has its own rather powerful military. According to Axios, National Security Advisor, 
Sullivan made clear in all meetings the high-intensity kinetic campaign needed to transition to the next lower-intensity phase in a matter of weeks, not months. This is not a deadline. We understand the campaign must and will continue, but in a lower-intensity... In other words, what they want is less spectacular headlines about how many people are dying. That's what they want. Let's be absolutely clear here. Israel is going to kill as many terrorists and people who are members of that terror network as they need to in order to ensure their future. Period. End of story. Israel has no interest in killing civilians. They are not interested in doing that. Hamas is hiding behind... In fact, not only is Hamas hiding behind civilians, just to show what Hamas is, Hamas apparently is literally taking dolls, like baby dolls, and they are connecting them to tape recorders with recorded cries of children and then connecting those to IEDs. So when Israeli soldiers go to try and save the doll, they blow up. This is something that Hamas is doing literally right now. Kirby says it has to take as long. Meanwhile, John Kirby, over the National Security Advisory, he said that Sullivan asked hard questions about what the next phase is going to look like. And he said it has to take as long as they feel it needs in order to eliminate this threat. We all want this to be over as soon as possible. The last thing we want to do is telegraph to Hamas what they're going to face in the next weeks and months. Well, that is a, again, Kirby has been way better on this than Jake Sullivan and Obama holdover with tremendously stupid ideas about how the Middle East actually works. Meanwhile, Israel is going to have to move up north. Everybody knows they're going to have to move up north. They're going to have to take on Hezbollah in the north because Hezbollah, again, has 200,000 rockets pointed not only at the north of Israel, but all over Israel. Israel has already moved 30,000 citizens off the border. They've been out of their homes for full on two months at this point. What is truly amazing is to see the propagandists at work against Israel with regard to the so-called two-state solution. So let's be clear about this. I mean, it's truly amazing. There are people who very often, I think, do fine on cable TV, do a decent job on cable TV. And they will say things like, I wish Israel would end the blockade and occupation of Gaza. Israel ended the occupation of Gaza in 2005. The only reason they left a blockade in place is because Hamas took over. And if they had not had a blockade, Hamas would have been shipping in nothing but weaponry from Turkey. Israel tried the whole two-state solution thing by basically handing over the Gaza Strip to a terror group and they got October 7th and rocket attacks every five minutes. There are people in Israel who have to live underground for like weeks at a time because of the rocket attacks. Meanwhile, in the West Bank, Israel tried for 30 years to hand over the West Bank to the Palestinian Authority. They had peace deals that were rejected in 94, 2000, 2001, 2008. All of those peace deals walked away from by the Palestinian Authority. And meanwhile, you have people who keep mouthing these platitudes about the two-state solution. With whom? With whom? So yesterday, the Israeli ambassador to the UK, Tsipi Hotavili, she was asked by a reporter about the two-state solution. She's like, no. By the way, approval for a quote-unquote two-state solution now among Israelis, 7%. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that is? Israelis have been desperately attempting to hand control over Palestinian Arab areas to Palestinian Arab leadership. For, for decades at this point, and no one will take them. No one. The Jordanians won't take them. The Egyptians won't take them. Palestinian leadership won't take them because they would prefer to continue to promote the idea that they are going to destroy Tel Aviv and take it. So who exactly? I, I'm consistently amazed by the idea that the media know what the F they're talking about. They don't. They say things like two-state solution as though it's self-manifesting. Like if you say it enough times, Beetlejuice appears. If you just say two-state solution often enough, a moderate Arab leader, Anwar al-Sadat, appears and magically makes peace. Or alternatively, the Palestinians are extremely pro-terror by every available poll. The networks of terror run incredibly deep. The educational system in both the West Bank and the Gaza Strip promotes the murder of Jews and does since the time that Palestinian youngsters are incredibly young. But if you say two-state solution, apparently, this makes you magically immune from criticism and it makes you a moral person. 
And if you say no two-state solution, because it's absolutely irrelevant and stupid to talk about a two-state solution when, the, when one of the parties to the quote-unquote solution does not exist, then of course you're bad. This is the ridiculous game you see being played by the media. So yesterday on Sky News, here was the Israeli ambassador to the UK. Is there still a chance for a two-state solution? I think it's about time for the world to realize the Oslo paradigm failed on the 7th but, of October and we need to build a new one. And in but, order to build a new one... Does that new one include the Palestinians living in a state of their own? Does, I think, is that what it includes? I think the biggest question is what type of Palestinians are on the other side? This is what Israel no, realized they on the 7th state, of October. Though? The answer is absolutely no, and I'll tell you why. Well, then, because how can at there the be moment, peace in, no, how can I'll there be answer peace to you. The reason there is no peace Israel. is because the Palestinians. How can, without offering Mark, a state to Palestine, how Mark, can there be peace in Israel? Israel knows today, and the world should know now. The reason the Oslo Accords failed is because the Palestinians never wanted to have a state next to Israel. They want to have a state from the river to the sea. So the two state so solution is dead. Why are you obsessed with a formula that never worked, that created this radical people in the other side? Why are you obsessed with that? Think about it. Is that normal to carry on with a solution that never worked in the past? Okay. The Palestinians kept on denying, and now it will create another terror state. Israel is not interested. In of course she's correct. Of course she's correct. By the way, Jordan was in control of the West Bank from 1948 to 1967, and not once did they discuss the possibility of an independent Palestinian state in the West Bank. Egypt was in control of the Gaza Strip from 1948 to 1967. At no point did they discuss the possibility of an independent Palestinian state. Why? Why is it, There was no call for the Arabs to do it. Why? And the answer is because everyone knew it would be a terror state immediately. Everyone knew this. Where else in the world, honest to God, where else in the world is there an open actual call for the creation of a state everyone knows will be a terror state? It's totally insane. It's totally insane. October 7th happens. 1,200 Jews are slaughtered. Another 240 are taken prisoner captive into the Gaza Strip. And the world is like, what sort of concessions can you offer? What the? This is like, honest to God, it's like saying after 9-11 to the United States, shouldn't you help set up an Al-Qaeda state in, in Afghanistan? I mean, after all, they have some grievances. Shouldn't you help set up an Al-Qaeda state? Not just a Taliban state, an Al-Qaeda state. Like specifically for those people. Shouldn't you do that? What, what sort of concessions can you offer them? Only Israel has demanded this sort of nonsense. The two-state solution was idiocy from the time it was initiated by Oslo. It was stupidity. It was put forth by people like Shimon Peres, who was completely delusional about the way the world actually works. He was actually a believer at the time that borders would disappear in the Middle East. He was a believer in the idea that there would be a giant confederation of Jews and Arabs in the Middle East that would be completely peaceful because economics would overtake everything else. Yeah, that worked. That was great. And again, the... Mouthing delusional notions about how the world works does not manifest the delusional notions. It just gets people killed. That's what Israel found out between Oslo and October 7th. And now they're done with that. And they should be done with that. And people will continue to say dumb crap like two-state solution without any leadership on the other. Israel would give the West Bank to Jordan today. And then it would be up to Jordan to create a Palestinian state. You think Jordan would do it? Jordan won't even take it. Jordan won't take it. Israel has offered the Gaza Strip to the Egyptians over and over. The Egyptians will not take it. Now, just think about that for a second. Think about how crazy that is. The Egyptians could take it and then they could set up a Palestinian state. They don't want it because they would not allow a Palestinian state to be set up there. They would be presumably engaging in exactly the same activities that Israel is engaging in right now. In fact, there's a reason why Egypt won't allow anybody from the Gaza Strip through their border. It's not because they want the historic land claims of the Palestinians in the Gaza Strip to be maintained. Israel doesn't even care whether Palestinians live there. There's no actual Jewish claim to the Gaza Strip in any serious measure. If you go back to biblical times, the Gaza Strip was never considered a part of biblical Israel even. There's never been a massive settling movement, for example, in the Gaza Strip. There was some in the north, 
of, of the Gaza Strip. And that was about it. Like Gush Katif, that's it. The Gush Katif region, there were some people living there, but it was never as though the Gaza Strip was ever considered like this very fundamental part of the biblical land of Israel. Okay, but the bottom, bottom line is Israel evacuated it. Okay, if Egypt, if Israel handed it over to Egypt and Egypt wanted to create a Palestinian state, you know what happened? Nothing. The reason the Egyptians won't let the Palestinians into the Sinai Desert is not because they are deeply worried about Palestinian rights in Jabalia. It's because they are worried about Palestinian people who are radicalized inside their own borders. They don't want them. All right, in just one second, we'll get to the latest from campus, where again, anti-Semitism uh, continues to be a major issue first. For most homeowners, window replacement isn't something they've done before. For many others, it isn't something they want to do, but rather something they have to do. If your windows are cracking or warping or your house is too hot or too cold, you need to call Renewal by Anderson. Have you put off replacing the windows in your home because it's too expensive? I have good news. You can get a free in-home window consultation and a free quote from Renewal by Anderson. Renewal by Anderson's signature service is committed to giving you the best customer service experience possible, supported by the best people in the industry. Right now, Renewal by Anderson is offering a free in-home or virtual consultation on durable quality, affordable windows or patio doors for $0 down, zero payments, zero interest for one year. Text Shapiro to 200-300 for your free consultation. Save 375 bucks off every window and 750 bucks off every door. These savings aren't going to last long. Be sure to check it out. Text Shapiro to 200-300. That's Shapiro to 200-300. Texting privacy policy and terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting enrolls for recurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop to opt out. Go to windowappointmentnow.com for full offer details. Also, the Daily Wire is excited to announce the search for our newest position, head of studios at The Daily Wire. It's like a big job. This role offers an incredible opportunity to shape the future of our company's rapidly growing entertainment division. At The Daily Wire, we create unforgettable content for our audiences through film, TV, podcast, merchandise, and more. You can be a part of it. Your leadership will be front and center as you drive the company's creative vision through expert content development, strategic partnerships, audience expansion, and widespread product distribution. Don't miss out on this extraordinary opportunity to do brilliant work that matters every single day. If you're interested in joining our team, visit dailywire.com slash careers. That's dailywire.com slash careers today. Also this Sunday, a new episode of the Ben Shapiro Show Sunday special drops. Our guest, Tim Kennedy, distinguished Green Beret sniper, UFC headliner. In this episode, we'll not only honor Tim's military achievements, also confront some hard truths he's encountered in war zones and at our southern border. Here's a little bit of what it looks like. I have a, a journal here that every time I traveled overseas, um, I would write what was happening and, and what I, I, I felt. I said, I find this sad, pathetic, but ironic. Not only a few nights ago did we track down and kill a man as he ran home trying to avoid us, maybe to survive, maybe just to live another day. And there his wife and his children saw him die. Are our actions justified? How many more terrorists have I just created? I killed their dad. I just made a family of terrorists, didn't I? I don't know. How is this going to turn out? Did I just make the wagon wheel roll just one more time? On our very first mission, we shot this man running back into his home. I don't know what to do. I don't know if this is right. I don't know where morality is in war. If you haven't become a member here at Daily Wire, now is a perfect time. Go to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Become a member today. Remember, the episode drops this weekend. You're not going to want to miss it. Meanwhile, over at Harvard University, things continue to be very, very rough. So Claudine Gay, the president of Harvard, she's the one, you'll remember, who actually went in front of Congress and said that it depends on context whether calling for genocide of Jews is violative of Harvard policy. 
Well, she actually attended a menorah lighting in an attempt to cover for her own idiocy and anti-Semitic fellow traveling. This menorah lighting was supposed to be a great moment for her. She was showing solidarity with the Jewish community. Now, again, I know Harvard really well. I know everybody at Harvard really well. I went to Harvard Law between 2004 and 2007. One of the people I know pretty well over there is Rabbi Hershey Zarchi. He is the Chabad rabbi over at, at Harvard. I've known Rabbi Zarchi for, as I say, nigh on 20 years at this point. Rabbi Zarchi is not a particularly political actor, like at all. He tries to stay strenuously apolitical. That's what Chabad, by the way, tends to do wherever they are, because Chabad's entire goal is simply to bring Jews into more religious practice, which is why you'll be walking around a city street and you'll see like a Chabad rabbi with a pair of tefillin, right, with phylacteries, offering to Jews to help them wrap tefillin. Like, that's what they do. But Hershey Zarchi here, right in front of Claudine Gay, he says the thing. He points out that at Harvard, when they put up their giant menorah and Again, that's what Chabad does pretty much everywhere. You can go to literally any Chabad in America and they have a giant menorah out in the front yard. When Harvard Chabad does this, well, they have to take it down every night. And they have to take it down every night because they're afraid the anti-Semites will rip it down. You know what happens to the menorah? After everyone leaves the yard, we're going to pack it up. We have to hide it somewhere. The university, since the first Hanukkah, would not allow us to keep this menorah here overnight. Because this fear that it'll be vandalized. That's the reality of the Jewish community in Harvard today. We have to pack up our menorah when we're done. Students have to remove anything. Some students feel they have to remove anything about their physical appearance that suggests that they're a target. We have work to do, friends. And we're delighted to have President Gay with us. But it's my hope, and I know I speak for everyone here, that we can work together with you and your, and, your, and your dedication to be, as we saw recently in the email, you were referred to as our president. We in the Jewish community are longing for a day that we could refer to the president of, and all of Harvard as ours too. That Harvard has indeed not only has our back and not only allows us to finally put up a menorah, but doesn't force us to hide it at night. By the way, this is a problem all over the United States, not just on campuses. Apparently, according to Breitbart, a menorah set up for Hanukkah at Oakland's Lake Merritt in the heart of the city was vandalized early on Wednesday, leading to condemnation by local officials. Oakland Mayor Sheng Tao, who had participated in the menorah lighting ceremony at the site just days before, issued a statement blasting the desecration and act of vandalism, which appears to be a blatant act of anti-Semitism. Graffiti at the site read, your org is dying. We're going to find you. You're on effing alert, a-hole. Parts of the menorah were thrown into the lake. Again, they were strewn on the sidewalk near 12th Street and Lake Merritt Boulevard. And this, of course, follows hard on the news that 18 was arrested and charged with planning a mass shooting at an Ohio synagogue recently. According to local NBC affiliate 3 News, they obtained the documents from a Stark County court official. It showed the teen has been charged with two misdemeanors, including inducing panic and disorderly conduct. Apparently, this person did create a detailed plan to complete a mass shooting at the Temple Israel on the Discord platform, which was reported to law enforcement and required an immediate investigatory response and notification of public officials. This particular anti-Semitic incident predates the October 7th attacks by Hamas. But these are the conditions under which a lot of Jews across the country are living. There's a reason why Jewish gun ownership is going up wildly, and it should. Every law-abiding citizen who knows how to defend him or herself should own a gun. And this is the reason why. Okay, in just one second, we'll get to the latest on Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. The polls continue to be very bad for the president of the United States first. The Ben Shapiro Show is supported by Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university with a vibrant campus in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona. 
Ranked top 20 in the country by Niche.com, GCU is a missional, Christ-centered university that strives to foster a culture of community giving an impact. GCU's goal is to help you develop into a servant leader who makes a difference through finding your purpose. With 330 academic programs and over 270 online as of June 2023, GCU integrates the free market system with a welcoming Christian worldview into your bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree. You'll have support from your own university counselor who takes a personalized approach to helping you achieve your goals. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu today. Okay, meanwhile, the polls are showing that Joe Biden continues to trail in every single battleground. According to Mediaite, a new round of polling in seven key swing states votes poorly for President Biden, indicating he trails Donald Trump in every single one. In Wisconsin, he is down four. To Trump, 45-41. In Georgia, he's down six. In Michigan, he's down four. In Pennsylvania, he's down two. In Nevada, he's down three. In North Carolina, he is down nine. These are terrible numbers for Joe Biden. In Arizona, he is down four. Very, very bad numbers for Joe Biden because, again, all of the focus right now is on Joe Biden. Now, the Biden administration is hoping that the Federal Reserve is going to save Joe Biden, that by bringing down the inflation rate, they're going to be able to basically bring down the interest rates several times next year, loosening up the economy and leading to a feeling of prosperity in the United States. Corinne Jean-Pierre, she was out yesterday saying that Bidenomics is working because the stock market is at record highs. Look, as it relates to Bidenomics, the president, I just announced at the top of the briefing, he's going to go to Milwaukee. He's going to talk about Bidenomics, investing in America, what what Bidenomics has done for the American people coming out of the pandemic. We can't forget what happened when the president walked in. We saw a literally uh, the economy at a tailspin. And the data shows, as you just mentioned in your question, inflation is moderating. In, uh, uh, you see uh, jobs created at more than 14 million jobs. Unemployment is at under 4%. All of those things is pied up is part of Bidenomics, and you will certainly hear the president talk more about that. Okay, well, the president can talk about it however much he wants. The bottom line is that consumers right now are still spending because, again, they have that inflated money in their pocket, and they realize that the inflation is cooked into the books. It takes a little while for people to realize that inflation has actually moderated, especially when inflation is still running at three-plus percent, as opposed to two percent, which was the Fed's target rate. The real problem here is that when you look at things like the stock market, corporate earnings are not actually keeping up with the stock market. Right now, people are invested in the stock market at very high rates because the currency is inflated. When the currency is inflated, you stop investing in bonds and you start investing in stocks. Well, now it appears that the bond prices are going up because we're not going to be raising interest rates anytime in the near future. So bond prices are going up. This has also created a feeling of economic health in the stock market, people pouring money into the stock market. The problem is then the stock market the P.E. ratios are really, really high. Those would be the price equity ratio, the price earnings ratios. Those price earnings ratios are really, really high. So Benjamin Graham, the famed investor who is sort of the intellectual godfather of Warren Buffett, he sought price earnings ratios around 15 times, that the price of the company should be a multiple of its earnings by about 15, but no higher than that. Well, right now, the so-called Magnificent Seven, which are the companies that are basically driving all of the growth in the stock market or a huge percentage of the growth in the stock market. These would be companies like NVIDIA, Apple, Amazon, Alphabet, Meta, Microsoft, Tesla. Those companies are up around 70% year to date. If you took them out of the S&P 500, the index would be up around 6% as opposed to the eye-popping gains that you are seeing in the broader stock market indices. The S&P 500 is up more than 21% so far this year. If you took out those seven companies, it's up 6%. And the P.E. ratios on those companies is 50, 5-0. That's not sustainable in the long run. 
P.E. ratios of 50, that is betting very heavily those companies are going to be able to ramp up their earnings, obviously. If they're not able to ramp up those earnings, then the pricing mechanism is way out of whack. So the suggestion would be, theoretically, that when the inflation stops, that the stock market will continue, it'll hold stable. The money will be worth more. People will, will essentially hold stable their stocks. They're not going to divest because why would you take your money out of a, a stock market that's done pretty well? But stocks are overpriced. This is the reason why Warren Buffett is selling stocks right now. And again, inflation has not totally been conquered, but the real problem here is going to be economic stagnation. I've been talking about gross output as a statistic for quite a while here. Gross output doesn't just measure spending at the last layer of the economy, which includes an enormous amount of government spending. It includes business startup investment. And that's down the first couple quarters of 2023. It's been down 9% gross, gross output. You're, I, I, we haven't seen a Q3 stat yet on that. I can't imagine it's going to be very strong. Business starts, I mean, if, if you're in business, you feel it also right now. If you're in business, this is not a boom time. Nobody really thinks this is a boom time outside of a few core companies. Meanwhile, you know, as Joe Biden continues to fade in the polls, the really bad news for the Biden administration is that Kamala Harris is still the backup. Here she was spewing word salad yesterday. We all watched the television coverage of just yesterday. That's on top of everything else that we know and don't know yet based on what we've just been able to see, and because we've seen it or not, doesn't mean it hasn't happened. But just limited to what we have seen. I don't even know what that means. I, did she speak English? I do not know. So both the, pres the president doesn't speak English because he's no longer functional. The vice president doesn't speak English because, I, was she ever functional? I don't even know. I don't even know what's going on with Kamala Harris. Oh boy. All right, coming up, we'll jump into... The continued questions over whether a deal will be reached on Ukraine, Israel, Taiwan, and border funding. You're not going to want to miss it. If you're not a member, become a member. Use code Shapiro. Check out for two months free on all annual plans. Click that link in the description and join us. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So, I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. <laughs> 